Welcome to Passion Life Church. This series, we want to lift the lids that are in our life. You know, lids are used to contain things. They're used to contain, uh, you know, I was thinking about even this week, how many lids I had to take off to put gas in my car. I had to open the lid to my gas tank. This morning, I had to take off the lid to my toothpaste. I had to take off the lid to my deodorant for me to put it on. Some of you looked at, yes, you're welcome. She said, thank you. Some of you looked a little surprised. Maybe you didn't put that on this morning. But you had to take off, I had to take off the lid, you know. And so uh, I think that there's one lid, though, at my house that my wife continues to tell me not to take off. And she says, keep the lid of the toilet down. So that's the only exception when it comes to lids. Come on, all the ladies said? Amen. Oh, I only got a couple ladies. Let's try that again. All the ladies said? Amen, right? And so we need to keep that lid down. So we're going to go ahead and make an exception for that lid. But I think some of us have lids on our lives that maybe we don't even know about. And we've been talking about these different lids. And we've talked about the lids of limitations. We've talked about the lids of um, lies that can be a lid over our life. Last week, Rex trained an incredible job. And he talked about the lid of fear. And what I want to do today today is I want to talk about the lid of loss, the lid of loss. And it's a serious subject when you start talking about the lid of loss. And I think what's unique about the lid of loss is that all of us can go through loss at some point in our life. Would you agree with that? I think sometimes, you know what, we can lose a career, something that we thought Man, that was the dream. You know, we can lose a marriage. I'm amazed at how many people that we're praying with and talking with because it just seems like, man, they're on the brink of of losing a marriage. We can lose finances, go through bankruptcy. You know what we can also lose? We can lose some love in our life. People who we thought really cared. People who we thought really loved us. Anybody lost some love in their life? Sometimes we can lose self-confidence. We can lose finances. We can lose houses, right? And I think this is when it gets a little more serious, a little more in-depth. We can actually lose a loved one through death. And maybe that has happened to you. And loss can be a very real experience that we all go through. And I think there's some huge things that can come out of loss. And here's what I think is really unique about the lid of loss. And I have a lid here, right? And what I think is unique about this particular lid is that this lid, when we experience loss, it's almost kind of like we flip this lid, right, of loss. And we flip it, right? And we're holding on. And because we feel like maybe we've lost so much, you know, we, we just, we've lost so much. And when you've experienced loss, what can happen is that you feel like, you know what, there's so much. I don't know if you've ever felt like this. Man, there's just so much that people have taken from me. I've just experienced so much. And you feel like, man, I just can't handle this anymore. If one more thing ever happens to me, I can't take it anymore. And what happens is we can feel like, man, I can't even try anymore. I'm not going to try. And this lid, I think, 
what happens is we start to grab onto this lid and we hold on to things. And here's the challenge with this. As we are holding on to the lid of loss, it does provide a lid over our lives that as we hold on to it, yes, we are shrinking back and yes, we are holding on, but nothing new is coming in either because we are holding on to the lid of loss. And what happens is, I like to say this, we start to live in the can of can'ts. I can't handle it, Pastor Phil. I can't, I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't try anymore. And it's because we've experienced loss. And you know what? When we experience loss, there can be grieving. There can be grieving and that happens. And it's good to grieve for a while. You know what, though? I've talked to some people who lose and lost their will to go on. I'll tell you one thing that happens a lot is you can lose strength and lose and and get exhausted in loss. And today I want to lift that lid of loss. I want to look at some people in the Bible who experienced loss. And I love that this book is not a book of perfect people. It's a book of imperfect people and how they responded to life, how they responded to God. And I want to highlight some of those people. And I want to break this down. Obviously, this could be a message that we could do a series on. But I I like to keep things simple. And I want to give you four ways that I believe that we can lift this lid of loss in our life. Because it can be lifted in Jesus name. There can be a freedom that comes back to our lives. Can I hear a good amen today? And so if we're going to lift the lid of loss, let me give you the first one. We've got to get into the gathering. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to get into the gathering. You know what? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall do what? Renew their strengths. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and what? They shall not faint. I love this because the... Old Testament was written in Hebrew. That's the language of the Old Testament. And this word wait is really a key word in this scripture. Because I think that some people think that when we wait upon the Lord, that means, oh, you know what? I'm just going to hang out and go, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to wait for you. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm just, actually that word does not mean that. The word in the Hebrew for those that wait upon the Lord, listen to this. It actually means this. Wait means to bind together or to gather together. So if you were to read this in the, in the Hebrew, it would read like this. Those that gather together before the Lord. Those that gather together before the Lord, what happens? Their strength is renewed. My church family, we should come to church every week and claim and believe this promise that when we gather together, that when you get in the gathering, that your strength is being renewed. And here's the cool thing, because when there is a lid of loss and you feel like your strength is gone, you know what? You can faint if you don't renew your strength. And so when we gather together and we jump into the gathering, our strength is renewed. But I got to tell you, the tendency is to isolate ourselves. 
The tendency is to live inside this loss where, no, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. And I've heard even people say, I hate everybody. But you know what? you got to get into the gathering. You know, we have some amazing people in our church. I'm just always just, I, I count it a privilege. And I live with such an awe of the people that God has brought to our church. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and I look at what they do and how they respond. You know, today, uh, Art is here and his wife, uh, Rosie. And, and Art, if you don't know anything about Art, he's an incredible man for those of us that, that know him. I just love him. And you know, there's people in the church that I look up to. And he's definitely one of those people. And Art was diagnosed with, with cancer in his face. And he told us. And he, he told us about the process of what he was about to go through. And, and I was just so, um, just so inspired by the way that he dealt with the cancer. Because you know what he did? Is he got into the gathering. I saw art at church so many times and I'm like, you're battling cancer and you're at church. And there's some times where I come to church and I'm a little tired myself and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get through. And I would see art and I'm like, man, this guy is battling cancer and he is in the gathering. You know what? Yeah. And and we would go to life group, life group. We love life groups because we understand that when we gather together, there is something that God can do that he doesn't do when you're by yourself, right? I believe in personal prayer. I believe in all that, but I also believe in corporate prayer and that when two or more people are gathered in his name, more things can happen. One can put a thousand to flight, but you know what? Two can put 10,000 to flight. And I remember even sometimes going to life group and I'm like, man, I'm a little tired from the day and it's seeing art there and he'd have a smile on his face. The guy never complained. I never heard him complain once. And that challenges me. And you know, just this last week he came to us and he said, the doctor called and all the cancer is gone in Jesus name. And he's here today. He said, all as I need is to get my strength back. And I feel like, devil, you better watch out when this man gets his strength back. Because God's going to restore to him these last six months the things that he's tried to steal. But I love that he is here. You know, um, a couple months ago, I was with a family. If you guys know uh, Jacob and Cheryl, another incredible couple. And, and uh, how long have you been coming to Passion Life Church, Cheryl or Jacob? Is it two years now or is it a year? A, year? a little over a year. Well, happy birthday to you. And um, so <laughs> we'll give you a certificate. And so... They had been coming, and, and I remember their grandmother, Cheryl's grandmother, was not doing well. He, she had, uh, was going through some things, and I remember them calling me on a Saturday. And uh, Saturdays are tough for me because I pray and I get ready for Sunday, and I left what I was doing. I actually arrived when uh, their grandmother had passed and when that had happened. And, and man, it was, it was tough. It was really, really tough. And I remember sitting with them and just talking and this happening on a Saturday. And I remember them saying, you know what? She has passed on. There's nothing we can do. She's in heaven. 
We need to be in God's house tomorrow. We need to be in the house of God. We need to get into the gathering where my strength will be renewed. I'm going to tell you, it's going to strengthen you in the loss, in the loss. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. And I can assure you, God's promises are true, that you will walk and not faint. That's what loss wants to do. It wants to get you to faint, but get into the gathering. I want you to turn over to John chapter 11. Let's look at some people who experienced the loss. Number one, if we're going to lift the lid of the loss, of the, of the loss we, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into the gathering. But here's number two. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Number two, we've got to allow Jesus, his presence, to be in our present Let me say that again. We have to allow Jesus' presence to be in our present. You know, this story we're about to look at in John chapter 11, verse uh, 20, there were some friends of Jesus and they're Mary and Martha and their sisters, their, uh, their, their brother Lazarus had died. And so they sent a message to Jesus. Jesus wasn't there and Lazarus was sick and they sent a message. Hey, and I love the message that they sent. They said, hey, Jesus, hey, your friend that you love, he's sick. In other words, hey, you know, you love him. Just remember that. You remember, and he did really love Lazarus. But the Bible says this, and this is so interesting, that when Jesus received the message, that he waited two days before he went over there. But this bothered me. What bothered me? That Jesus gets a message of the friend that he loved that's sick, and then the Bible says that he waits two days even before he goes. And so what I like to do is I like to get in the Word. I like to get in commentaries because I want to know what Jesus is doing. How many of you want to know what Jesus is doing. And there's certain commentaries that are always negative. You know, it's just like, well, Jesus just wanted them to feel the pain so he could come in. And I'm just like, that's just not the Jesus that I know. But here's what I found out. And you know what? It's interesting is that there's two or three commentators that bear out the same thing. And let me, maybe this will help you. You don't have to believe this way, but it helps me in my study. And maybe this will make sense for you. But when you do the math for Lazarus and what happened, to him, the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, it was Lazarus was already dead four days, right? And so they sent out a message, and many commentators believe that Jesus was about a day away. Just depending on where he was, he was about a day away. So they sent a message to him that probably took a day, right? And so if that took a day, then Jesus waited two days. It was a day's journey. So when Jesus walked up to the tomb, he was already dead. But here's the thing. Many commentators believe that when Jesus got the message that Lazarus had already died. So he had already died. And so if that is true, that when Jesus got the message, he had already died. It makes sense with the math when he showed up that he had already been dead four days. And Jesus said some things too that confirm that. Jesus also said that he is asleep. He said, and this is not unto death, but Jesus also said this as he was going to Lazarus. He said, we're, he is asleep and we're going there to wake him up. So I believe that what happened was when Jesus received this message, Lazarus is already dead. Now, check this out. Why, Pastor Phil, why would he wait two days? Well, I I could tell you a couple things. I know that Jesus was always about the will of the Father, and so he was doing the will of the Father. But here's another thing that a lot of commentators believe, that in that time, in that culture, when somebody died, their spirit would hang around for two or three days. 
that their spirit would hang around. So it makes sense to me that if Jesus knew that he was already dead, one commentator had said this, that Jesus waited because when he got to the tomb, he wanted to make sure that that culture of the spirits being there were no longer there, that it was going to be a true resurrection. And so that's what he wanted. But all I'm saying to you is that even if there is a delay in your life, God will always restore something and he will always do something that was better. These people didn't just get a healthy Lazarus. They got a resurrected Lazarus. And I'm telling you, it may seem like God is delaying, but I will tell you this, that he can not only resurrect and restore, but when there is a delay, listen to me, there's something God wants you to discover in the delay. And Mary and Martha are going to discover something. They're going to get a revelation that nobody else has. Have you found John chapter 11? Verse 20, let's read it real quick. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, Jesus is showing up, and he went and he met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Ooh, verse 22, you know what she's implying? Look, but even now I know that we're Whatever you ask, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now we do know that uh, Lazarus is going to raise from the dead. But watch this. I think many of us, when we experience the lid of loss, when we experience loss, here's what happens. We're like Martha. Martha says, Jesus, if you were here. Everybody say, that's the past. So first she's like, she focuses on the past. Jesus, if you were here, and then she says, well, I know he's going to rise again. Guess what that is? That's the future. Everybody say the future. But here's what Jesus is going to say. Jesus is going to say, I am the resurrection and the life. What does that mean? Jesus wants his presence in your present. Why is that? Why is it sometimes when we experience loss, we either go to the past or we go to the future? Because being in the present has pain. Sometimes it's easier just to defer to the past or defer to the future. But Jesus looks at her and he says this. He says, I am, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He shall live. The best thing that you can do is right here, right now, is allow Jesus in your presence. That's where the pain is at. So I looked up the word resurrection in the Greek. The language of the New Testament is the Greek. And I thought, wow, this is such an interesting definition because Jesus says, I am, right? Now, here's what you need to understand. When he said that, the people around him, the Jewish people knew who he was because remember what God in the burning bush told Moses. You remember who he said when Moses says, who am I supposed to say sent me? And God said, set 
tell them, I am sent you. So when Jesus said that, the Greek word right there for I am is Yahweh, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. So Jesus says, I am the Redeemer, the Deliverer, Savior. But really, what really perplexed me was this word, resurrection. Do you know what the word in the Greek for resurrection means? It means this. Jesus was saying this. Resurrection means I am your stand-up and recovery. Everybody say that with me. Stand-up and recovery. Say it one more time. Stand-up and recovery. See, sometimes when you experience loss, it knocks you down. It knocks you down, way down. And you feel like you can't get up. I don't know if you've ever had those days. But here's the good news. You don't have to get up by yourself because Jesus is your stand-up and recovery. Let me say that again. Jesus is your stand-up and your recovery. Here's what he wants us to do in our present. And he wants his presence to come in so we can look at him and, and see him standing up. Here's what you need to do. You need to visualize in your life Jesus getting up and standing up. Why? Because when he gets up, you get up. Let me say that again. When he gets up, you get up. And if you allow him to be your stand-up and recovery, the lid of loss can be removed. He's your stand-up and recovery. Now the devil's going to tell you you can't stand up. The devil's going to tell you this lid is way too much. You've already lost too much. But my church family, he discounts the fact that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And see, that's what Jesus told Mary and Martha. See, they were so consumed about where he was, why he wasn't there, and all oh, the future. We know he's going to ar arise again. I know Lazarus is going to rise. And Jesus said, hold on. I am your stand-up and your recovery. I am your stand-up and recovery. And here's the great news. He didn't just say, I am the resurrection. He said this, I am the resurrection. And do you know what the other word is? And the life. So I am your stand-up and I am your recovery. And the word life there, listen to this. The word life in the Greek means the life that satisfies. So not only is he our stand-up and our recovery, he's the life that satisfies. Yeah, you can give him a good round of applause. But see, here's what happens with the lid of loss. We start to focus, right, on the people who have left us. We focus on the things that we have lost, and that becomes the lid over our lives. But can I just tell you something? There's a lot of people that I have loved, but no one has ever loved me like Jesus. No one. You know, I've done youth ministry for 20 years. And when you do youth ministry for that long, if you ever are in youth ministry, one of the hardest, and it's kind of my heart always goes out to these young teenage girls. Man, they would date and they would come back to me and they'd break up and they were crying. Their mascara is running, snot bubbles coming out of their nose. And Pastor Phil, you don't understand. 
You don't understand. We were in love and we broke up. We dated for two weeks and I knew that he was the one for me. And then I just listened and I, I can't go on. I don't know how I'm going to live without them. I can't live if living is without you. Can I tell you something? That person is not the one who gave you life. Jesus is only the life that satisfies. And you know what? People have left. Maybe they've left your life. But can I tell you this morning? He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He never leaves. He is still there. And so we have this lid. And it's amazing to me that we can focus on the people who have left. And Jesus is still right here. And he is the life that satisfies. You don't understand how much I loved him. You don't understand how much Jesus loves you and how much he sacrificed for you. And he is the life that satisfies. And Jesus begins to move towards the tomb of Lazarus. And I love this, ladies and gentlemen. I just love, and the Bible says Jesus wept. In his humanness, he grieved. See, it's, it's okay to grieve, but not for too long because you can stay stuck in the lid of loss because of grieving. And the Bible says that he's moving, he's crying. Je the Bible says Jesus wept. And when he wept, the Bible also says this, that he groaned. The Bible says he groaned in the spirit. Now, get this. This is Lazarus, his friend that he loved. I looked up that word groan in the Greek. That word groan in the Greek means this, to become indignant. Watch this. To roar. Everybody say that. To roar. See, this is what we need. We need the lid of loss to come off our life because we need to get our roar back. Come on, somebody. You need to get your roar back. And the Bible says that he became to get indignant. You know what that means? That means he began to rise up with anger. What? What against? Against people? No. Against death. Against sickness. Against everything that the enemy tries to do. And so the Bible doesn't say that anger is wrong. The Bible Bible says, be angry, but sin not. We're supposed to be angry against cancer. Come on, somebody. We're supposed to be angry against sickness. We're supposed to be angry at human trafficking and injustice. Come on, somebody. We're supposed to have an indignant roar against these things. And it's time that you get your roar back. And you know what? Jesus calls Lazarus out. And even though there was a delay... In the delay, they discovered that Jesus is the stand-up and the recovery and the life that satisfies. And I want to tell you, if there's a delay in your life, God, it's because he, to, to, he wants to show you a greater revelation of himself and who he is. But listen, it doesn't mean that you stick with the loss. He restored Lazarus and resurrected his life. Now, can I encourage you today? God will restore what the devil has stolen in your life. Can I hear a good amen today? 
Come on, somebody. See, here's what I think we need to understand. Just because you may have a loss doesn't mean you've lost. Woohoo! Just because you may have had a loss doesn't mean you've lost. Ask the New England Patriots this last year. Now, ladies, just give me a moment, all right, for a moment. If you don't understand football, and so I, this, is, this illustration is only going to be for two minutes. I promise. I want you, but I think you'll get it. The New England Patriots were down 28-3 to in the Super Bowl in the third quarter. Now, ladies, a football game has four quarters. Just so you know, just, I'm just telling you. Just, I'm just trying to help. Right? I want everybody in on this. I want you to get in the gathering. Here we go. Third quarter, they are down by 25 points. But see, here's what, they, here's what we can do. We look at our first quarter in our life, and we look up at the screen, and we're down 24 points. And what happens is that we can say we've lost. No, you haven't lost. It's just the end of the first quarter. And what it is, is you're just in a transition to the next quarter. And you can look at the second quarter and go, we're still losing. We've lost. But the New England Patriots didn't look at it that way. What they did is they said, we may have had a loss in the first quarter. We may have had a loss in the second quarter, but we have not lost yet. You know why? Because the game is not over. And I came to tell you today that the game is not over. You may have had a loss in the quarter, but you have not lost yet. Woo! I almost became a Patriot fan, but I didn't. I'm still Steelers. Do you know that in the last seconds of the game, the New England Patriots won 28, I mean 34 to 28, And I came to tell you the game is not over. And here's why. You may have experienced a loss. You may have lost a house. But can I tell you, God can give you a house like this. And better than the one that you lost. Because this is what he does. He restores not just what you have. He always restores better than what you had before. Can I just say this before I go to this last point? I've talked to people who've gone through divorces. Oh, it's it's a huge loss. Don't get me wrong. But you need to know you have, I talked to people who, you know, their second marriage was so much better than their first. Now, God may not restore that same person. Come on, somebody. Right? He may, you were dating Pee Wee Herman, married to Pee Wee Herman, but you know what? God will give you a Fabio. Come on, somebody. Come on, let him give you David Beckham. Come on. Oh, he's married. I can't talk about that. You're crying over Pee Wee Herman. He left you. He doesn't know what he even wants. (laughs) Come on, somebody. What's that soccer guy's name, the new one? Uh, See, all the ladies know his name. The guys don't. The guys don't even know his name, but the ladies are like, um, and they pretended like they didn't. uh, What was it? Ronaldo? Come on, ladies. Come on, guys. Let's give him a good round of applause. We know what you're all about. I know foreclosure's hard. I know bankruptcy is hard. But you know what? 
God can restore everything and better. But we can come to a place where we think we've lost L-O-S-T, but it was just a loss, L-O-S-S. And you know what? In all of that, Mary and Martha, not only did they get a resurrected brother, they found a new revelation of who Jesus was, that he was the stand-up and the recovery and the life that satisfies. Man, this is a good word this morning. I feel like lids are lifting this morning. The lid of lost. Here's the last point for today. Now listen, we started about five minutes late. So can I just have an extra five minutes? Let me see if you just give me an extra five minutes. Hold up your hand. Five, 10, 15, 20. All right, that's awesome. Thank you guys. So we got to get into the gathering. We've got to let his presence get in our present. Man, that's going to make a difference. And if we're going to lift the lid of loss, number three, we're going to have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. I am all about getting in the gathering. But there are times where there's no people around you. There are times when you are by yourself. And this is an act of maturity that instead of complaining, you begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I want to just close with this last little story about David, King David. He's an inspiration to us all, but he was at Ziglag. And as he was at Ziglag, he was fighting the uh, Amalekites. And what happened was the the Amalekites came in and they burned down the city of Ziglag. Listen, they took the women and the children, the sons and the daughters. Listen, you can take a lot away from me, right? But don't take away my kid. Right? There's something. And they had burned the city down and took all of the kids. And as David was fighting the Amalekites, excuse me, let me say it that way, the Amalekites, the Bible says this in 1 Samuel chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 4, David experienced a loss. Watch this. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Everybody say grief. They grieved, they wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine that loss? I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there where I can't cry anymore. It actually hurts to cry. There's there's no more tears, no more tears. But I want you to notice something about David. He didn't just stop there with the weeping. The Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. First Samuel 30 verse 6 it says and David was greatly distressed for the people sp- uh, spake of stoning him. Now watch this. David's own people instead they wept too but here's what they did. They got bitter instead of getting better. See and, and when you encourage yourself in the Lord you're not going to get bitter. You're going to get better. But here's what happened is that the people rose up to stone their leader. Why? Because they were bitter. Why? Because they weren't encouraging themselves in the Lord and David was deeply distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved and every man for his sons and his daughter watch but David everybody say that with me but David come on say it loud but David but David encouraged himself in the Lord did David run to Facebook first I had somebody tell me uh you haven't responded to me. Uh, you didn't see my post on, I didn't see your post on Facebook. But can I tell you this? If you're going to Facebook first, you're never going to get over the lid of lost. 
If you're going to people first, you're never going to get over the lid of loss. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. I can't find anyone to encourage me, Pastor Phil. Encourage yourself. Nobody invites me to the party. Guess what? Just be the party then. I'll party if I want to by myself. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And the Bible says the people got bitter. So in this lid of loss, you have two choices. You're either going to get bitter or you're going to get better. Here's the thing about bitterness. The Bible says it has a root. And everything that has a root spreads. See, bitterness can start in one area of your life and spread to every other area of your life till you come to the point. Listen, you've lost your son and daughter, but now you're picking up stones and you want to kill the leader. That's bitterness. It'll take you beyond for what you thought or ever thought you would. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And here's where we close. David chose. Listen, everybody look at me. David chose to be recovered. The last point, number four, we have to choose to be recovered. My church family, everybody look at me this morning. Will you be recovered? I've talked to people don't want to be recovered. Listen, will you be, Pastor Phil, I just can't do this. Yes, you can. Listen, because you're not the recovery. He is the stand up and the recovery, right? He is your stand up. Come on. You, and the Bible says David encouraged himself. Watch the word encourage means this. It means to fasten himself. So he fastened himself to God. That's what encouraging yourself. Pastor Phil, how do I encourage, how do I fasten myself to God? Get in the gathering. Let his presence be in your presence. Encourage yourself in the Lord and choose to be recovered. Choose to be recovered. And I like this, and here's where we end. Because David recovers. And so David has this conversation with God. He's like, "Uh, God, now that I'm recovered, I have a little request. Here's where we end. First Samuel 30, verse 8 says this. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? I'm recovered. Hey, should I re- pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And watch what God said. This God of restoration, look what he says. And God said to him, pursue, for you shall overtake, and you will recover all. Watch this. Look, David, listen, David only asked, for one thing, right? Should I pursue them? And actually asked for two things. Should I pursue them? Overtake them? Two things. God answered with three. Pursue them. You will overtake. But listen, I'm the God who restores. I don't just give back what you've lost. You're going to recover all. Listen, you are going to recover all. You are going to recover all my church family, just because you have a loss doesn't mean you have lost. We serve a God who lifts the lid of loss. Come on, if you believe that, would you stand? Come on, let's give him a good, come on, let's, let's, let's lift the lid. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.